Radio Broadcast this week, live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. Hope you're having a beautiful weekend. Thanks for joining us here tonight for episode number, I don't know, but about a little over two years of broadcasting. So thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in tonight, and uh, tell a friend. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. I, without further ado, will introduce our host this evening and every Sunday at 7 p.m., Mr. Rick Atwater. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to the show, Straight Stuff on Addictions, uh, Recovery Internet Radio. Our tag tonight is, she was an unexpected miracle. We all, we all agreed on that one. Right? <laughs> so, uh, and our guests are Mary and Kellen. So thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, except if we pre-record, which is somewhat frequent lately, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for our engineer, Chris. Oh, you're so very welcome who is a television star, and he's been on The Chew. Is that right, The Chew? Yeah, I starred uh, alongside Mario Batali, uh, amongst other notable celebrities. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, a, you, uh, you're big time now. Check out ABC.com for last Friday's episode. We me. actually saw him on TV. We watched the show. It does it's add 10 pounds, i got to say. So, um, yeah, enough of your stardom, my friend. Uh, you can call the show for questions or comments by calling our regular call-in number, which is 323-792-2977, or you can tweet us live at Rick Atwater. Um, and also remember to check us out at recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com, where you can listen live every week and access all of our archive shows. So if there's anything you've missed in the past, please check it out. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, if, you know, I can't, I can't tell how many people go, go to archives, but... That's a good. It's a good thing because you can go there and you can any of the shows we've done. You can just scroll down and pick one out and bingo, there you are. There's a lot. Oh, did you did you you said Twitter at Rick Atwater? I did. We're up I to said. 52 followers right now. So wow. Yeah, if you're out there listening. 52 followers. 52. We started at 17, so I'm pretty <laughs> happy. <laughs> so are you guys ready to go? Yes, we are. Okay. All right. So. Um, Anyway, thanks thanks for for coming out tonight. And I know you you came from a distance, so um, it's a good thing you don't mind driving. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what I I kind of wanted to do was have um, Kellen tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about where you came from, what the what some of the highlights and lowlights were, and then I thought maybe your mom could stop at points that she felt comfortable stopping and talk about where, how she was dealing with that, that point in your story. So where, where did this, the substance abuse stuff, where did that start for you? When I was 16, I started off smoking pot and drinking and trying Ritalin with a friend of mine from high school. And um, from there, it just kept on going and then uh, the heavy drug abuse started when I was 19. I first uh, tried cocaine, and then uh, from there, eventually graduated to crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was 22, I had a pretty bad car wreck because of my drinking, and I uh, lost a boyfriend that I was dating at the time. And um, from there, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Did you know when she was 16 what what she was up to? Uh, she was um, uh, a parent that she was a smoking cigarette um, and the normal high school stuff. I wasn't blind to think she wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as weed and all that stuff, um, I never observed it at home, you know. Uh, and as far as, you know, her accountability, you know, she was in when she was supposed to be in, and mm-hmm. um, she was pretty good at covering her tracks. Um, you mentioned, I think you, in one of your emails, I don't know which one of you, I think you mentioned, Mary, I think there was a there, there was some cutting going on yeah, early. Yeah, Kellen was in sixth grade, seventh grade. She was cutting her arms, and right. I um, saw them, I saw the, um, marks on her arms and uh, it's my mantra is if you don't know what to do find someone who can 
put you in the right direction. So there, there was a center in the suburbs, Chicago suburbs. Um, it was a residential facility specifically for um, females cutting. Mm-hmm. And we went there. She had an evaluation, and I remembered that the um, professional said that coming to the facility for treatment they didn't feel it was appropriate for Kellen at this time because it, it was, in their opinion, it was a passing phase. Mm-hmm. It was a way of dealing with stress of uh, puberty, the stress of um, trying trying to fit in. And that However, was like sixth, sixth grade. Sixth, what, how old were you when you were in seventh grade? Like 12? Uh, 12, 13. Yeah. 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 Um, that, would, to me, was the manifestation that something was out of the ordinary. Right. Did you And I had no I mean I had no experience with anything like no, this. Who would yeah. Um I never heard of cutting to release stress and tension. You know, I clench at the thought of getting a shot in the doctor's office. Um so it gives you stress and tension, not release. Yes, it, it doesn't release. And yeah. But so but is that what it was for you looking back on it? Or I mean, you know, cuz some people do just marking or you know whatever they do for various reasons um i think that's pretty much what it was it was um to not feel to numb because that was the first addiction i ever did before taking alcohol or drugs yeah so did you ever get did you get treatment for that along the way or did it just stop and morph into other things or how did that go uh, I think I was a sophomore when I met Dr. Solomon, a uh, doctor that helped me, because um, one of my teachers, I think it was my religion teacher, uh, noticed what was going on and told my mom and I about him, and that helped a little bit. But it's kind of a blur. Yeah. Some things I remember, some things kind of blur. By the time you were a sophomore, you were already doing some using. Mm-hmm. You were already into other other things and you were still but you were still cutting some too yeah 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 did you did you meet other kids that were doing the same thing or didn't it matter to you uh it didn't matter i think um pretty much i hung out with a lot of the same kids that would smoke pot drink stuff like that i think i was the only one though that really was a cutter i don't remember anyone else in high school that did it that i knew of how was that for you i mean um it was hard because um, I, I remember in eighth grade I had a, a neighbor kid um, that actually asked me about it because she was concerned. I don't know if she ever told my mom about it or not, Anna. Um, she didn't tell me. You told me about it later yeah. on. So she found out about it somehow? Yeah, I forgot exactly how. I think mm-hmm. it might have been gym class where we had to you know, um, get our uniform on and she saw the marks and asked what was up with it. And All I could tell her at the time was, I don't know. It's just uh, it helps. It just helps to relieve stress for some reason, and she yeah. didn't understand that at all. Right. And I didn't understand it really then either. Okay. All right. So when so as time goes on and she gets more and more into the addictions stuff, what what's going on? What's going on with you? Are you noticing these things and wondering or um, asking questions? What's yeah. I mean. Uh, it's her personality was so volatile, hmm. hot, cold. You didn't know what if she was gonna come at you, if she was gonna hug you, or you had to throw a crucifix up in front of your face <laughs> um, because you just couldn't predict as to what she was going to do. And um, I um, started seeing a therapist myself hmm. to make some sense out of what was um, happening. At home, I was at that time um, working downtown mm. and um, getting a circle of um, friends professionally away from Woods away from Woodstock mm-hmm. and um, lots of education myself and learning about what about myself first mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out how to maintain what was going on at home and um, how Callan and her brother were interacting 
again, they would be fine, and then they, you know, normal brother and sister yelling, screaming, hollering, I hate you, you know, do I have to drive to school, you know, that mm-hmm. whole thing. But um, uh, in she wasn't following what my husband and I had experienced. You only know what you know. Yeah. And both my husband and I had very traditional um, uh, upbringings. He mm-hmm. went to college and then, or he went to high school, graduated, and then you went to um, college. I <clears throat> I worked uh, when I was in high school. You know, in addition to going to school, of course, um, and you know, paid for. I went to a, a private school. I had to pay the tuition, and I was going to college. And it was, uh, you will go to college. It's not if you go to college. You will, and you will pay for it. My, I had seven brothers and sisters. There mm. just wasn't, you know, the extra right. deal. And I don't regret. I don't, don't regret it. Mm-hmm. But um, there were times where I was worried about paying bills and, you know, tuition and all this. And I, and my husband did not want our kids to worry about tuition being paid. So their job was to go to school. That's your job. And How were you doing at that job? Not so well. He's <laughs> a very average, poor yeah. student. Yeah, he weren't, a, gr- weren't a great student. School. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, then that was that was surprising to you that she wasn't like following the pattern. Well, I'm like, well, what was so horrible about going away to college? Right. I couldn't wait to get out of my house and go to college. Right. I had better odds in the bathroom in the dormitory than I did at home. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Assuming that this all, this assuming this all made made sense. Yeah. Well. We were starting with that assumption. Yeah. Which, well, later in the story, I guess we'll find out that it, it yeah. doesn't. But well, the thing is, uh, I couldn't understand why someone wouldn't want to go away to college. That was freedom. That was not having your parents breathing down your neck. It was no curfew. You could drink. You could smoke. You could, you know. Um, yeah, just, all I, that all and that, a few other things. And a few other things. And I had a great time when I was in. I had a great time in high school. You know, I enjoyed school. Right. I enjoyed college, and I was a you know successful student, and I worked, and I just was ordinary. You and know, it wasn't and going that way. It wasn't going that way for her, and I couldn't understand from her choices why why won't you when when this... when you got into when you started going to therapy, what, what did you find out? Well, I found out that I'd spent my life trying to please people. Hmm. I spent my life keeping up the facade that everything was normal, normal in quotes and fine. And we were just like everyone else in Stepfordville. Mm -hmm. And um, that took a lot of effort, a lot of effort and a lot of stress to keep everything um, uh, appearances, keeping up appearances. And when I realized I don't have to worry about that, because you know what? I'm thinking a lot more about it than anybody else is. So what, so what was the difference between the appearance, and I, either of you could, or both of you can speak to this, but what was the difference between what other people thought your family was like and what your family was like? I think for me, because I was always kind of like the rock alternative gothic kid, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of my mom and dad's friends that we grew up with, some of their kids that I went to school with, my brother went to school with, were all, from my perception, preppy, you know, uh, goody-two-shoe kids that Mm -hmm. got the good grades, and I didn't, and... um, and then I think there was a part where I just didn't care what anyone thought. Like, I did, but I didn't. It was kind of that catch-22 thing where mm-hmm. it was like, well, I don't care what they think one day, and the next day I'm like, oh, no, I do care what they think. And <laughs> I don't know. How did you feel, Mom? Well, <clears throat> we had all the trappings. We had the station wagon, the dog, the house, um, the, um, uh, you know, we looked great walking into to church. They, it was just... Mm-hmm what you thought it 
should be, you know, what mm-hmm. we thought it should be. In actuality, it was a lot of slamming doors and um, the arguments and then um, the passivity of, you know, like, okay, do, you're going to do whatever you're going to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, just major disappointment. Yeah, disappointment. Just really disappointing as to why are why are my values being so discounted? How hmm. come everything has to be what you want? Why can't there be anything that is going my in my direction? Now, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking to myself, you know, like you look pretty, you know, you look pretty good when you go to church, but like like if you were kind of a goth kid, like were you doing the makeup and the dark clothes and not the makeup, but the dark clothes or if um. For example, if my I mean, mom... You, did you look weird when you went to church? No. No. <laughs> you but, no. <laughs> but I wanted to wear, like, jeans and, you know, like a T-shirt or something with a band right. name, maybe, right. something like that. Or, like, but I wasn't... Like, today I have this bright shirt on. You know, over 10 years ago, my mom and I would have fought over this type of shirt. I would have wanted something darker or right. gray yeah. as opposed right. to, you know, like a spring color. And, I get you. you know, a pierced tongue. Okay. Right. Ooh, you know. Um, oh, you didn't. You didn't get your tongue pierced. I didn't. Oh, you know, okay. I well, haven't. All right. Um, you know, my walk on the wild side was getting a double pierce in my ear. You know. Um, <laughs> that is pretty wild. Uh, and it just say. was um, a realization that uh, I needed to take care of me because I wasn't good for anybody if I couldn't take care of me. And we, and we were talking before the show that that sounds. Simple, but it's, it's so hard to why, do. So talk about why that's so hard. When you have, like, when you have uh, uh, a kid who's, you know, or kids, I don't know right. about your brother, but a kid or kids who are, are um, you know, kind of go, kind of veering off and having having difficulties, the, the cutting, the drugs, whatever. What so? Well, it's hard after a while just to, to everyone's talking about the conventionality of their children and you don't have anything to add to the conversation Hmm. and it's uh you just don't have anything to add what am i i had nothing to say yeah and um yeah my kid's going to harvard oh yeah my kid's you know running for president oh yeah Mm -hmm. my kid climbed you know climb mount everest whatever yeah yeah, as i said right the whole stepford syndrome right and um it just uh weren't any discussions on, you know, uh, mental illness yeah. and uh, how do you discuss a diagnosis of uh, bipolarity when people don't even understand what that means mm-hmm. and having... Um, so you don't discuss that. You that don't. In a public place. And you don't talk having, about... You know, and having a, uh, a sense of uh, there's a larger universe out there and... Um, we did um, avail ourselves to uh, Chicago on a regular basis. We, we always did. And there were many people that never, I remember when the kids were in eighth grade and their um, field trip was to downtown Chicago. And for some kids, it was the first time they'd been to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was flabbergasted. We are living near one of the great centers of the Western world. And you've never been there? That just frosted me. So there's uh, some like health, re- you know, like well, o- options for like health and therapy well, and yeah, a wider and view so- of things. Exactly. And um, like I said, I, I was seeing a therapist, uh, psychotherapist, and um, just being able to vent in a very safe environment, which gave me some respite. And um, my mm-hmm. husband was... Um, said, honey, you take care of yourself. You got to do what you got to do. And uh, I had a friend who I vented with. I worked with her. And uh, her husband was a recovering alcoholic. And she told me about Alana. Hmm. And it's not, you can't define your life by somebody else's addiction. Hmm. So I did go to Alana. Hmm. And it did give me a perspective and the literature and the discussions uh, that. Um, did you that, feel? Did you feel like that, that? I wasn't alone. Yeah, that's the thing. And the, I wasn't the shame alone, thing. and it wasn't shameful. And that you find out that there's actually more people 
like that, like like me, that are dealing with issues. And all, and, and not talking about and it. Not anywhere talking about but, it. Yeah. And it gave me the courage to talk about it. Yeah. And you know. Um, and here critics, we are. <laughs> critics, right. Critics be damned. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's your perception. That's right. your perception. I'm not going to waste any time trying to win you over. Right. And it's amazing how, um, in dealing with um, Callan, uh, Callan's evolving situation, how many people, uh, you, you can relate to what people are going through. Mm-hmm. How early on did you start doing these things? Like, at what point in your career, in your addictions career, were you uh, starting to do these things? How, um, how? She was a senior in high school. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so it was before some of the right. more, more major events even then. Right. Well, because she had a, um, a gap year between um, graduating from high school and then going out to college on the East Coast. And that, in looking at it, you know, she was getting as far away from Woodstock as she could. And I think you probably got the long distance award for who was going away the farthest. Where did you go, Massachusetts or? Yes, yeah. uh, Franklin, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty far. Yeah, <laughs> very far. What? And then I ended up in Maine. <laughs> what school was? It was called you? Dean College. It was a private school, and it was for kids like myself. Yeah. Uh, who were average students who didn't do so well, and um, so I graduated in 2001, and then took a year off because of a boyfriend I was dating and um, I didn't want to leave and then uh, I worked for a temp agency for that year and then finally I don't exactly remember what prompted me to go to finally say okay I'll go to school but I I think it was like my mom said I wanted to get as far away from Woodstock as I could and I figured ah geographical relocation awesome yeah everything's gonna be fine I can start over right Salem, you know, yeah. go hang out there, meet some new people, and yeah, total disaster. Had you already had some trouble other than grades before you left? Yeah. Were you, yeah. Were you already uh, in trouble with drugs and alcohol? Yes. Yeah. You know, and the, I'm, I'm twisting this around a little bit, but one of the things we didn't even, we, we haven't even really said yet is the whole thing, the, the whole adoption thing. I just wanted to, so you're in a, in, and I don't know whether that really has anything to do with anything at this point. Well, other Kel than, always knew she was adopted. Yeah. You know, that was just, I had a story I used to read to her, and she knew she was adopted, and everybody knew she was adopted, and um, it it just was what it was, you know. Right. Um, and uh, It wasn't a big deal. No. Never was. You you were no. adopted as a as an infant, eight, right? Eight days eight, old. Eight days. Eight days old. Yeah, so and um um you know, Tom and I had worked on this and Kellen was always saying when she'd get mad she's going to find her birth mother in Louisiana and uh her brother Tim was just like, you know and they have the same mother. He was like, don't let the door hit you on the way out, and I've got the bathroom all to myself. See ya. <laughs> um, and, of course, you know, she didn't go anywhere. Right. Um, and you want to find her? Go ahead. I hope, you know, I contacted. Um, it was a closed adoption. And um, uh, wrote to the hospital where she was born, asked for information, and received um, 10 pages of redacted information with it had her name on it and her birth and all but there was no information I'm just like okay that was five hundred dollars well spent mm-hmm. and um it yeah we're comfortable with whatever was going to happen right. now kel you can relate you know that was that ever an issue for you i mean was that ever something that you you were concerned about or you thought drove you into places you didn't want to be or um I don't know I mean I've always wanted to find her when I turned 18 I really um asked my mom and dad for their support on it and um I mean the little bit that I knew was that she uh was 
an alcoholic and a drug addict. Mm. And uh, she was 19 when she had my had myself, 21 when she had my brother. Um, except I didn't really. We kept getting uh, doors closed, so to speak. You know, metaphoric right. doors closed. So after so long, I kind of gave up on it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I always kind of wanted to know my background. So when I was 19, um, we got some help from another doctor to, you know, kind of take a look at who I was and why I was doing some of the things I was doing. Had a uh, oh, week yeah. worth of testing? Or I'm sorry? How many days of testing? Was, uh, I think it was three days of testing at the University of Chicago. What kind of testing? Like uh, Physiological, psychological, and they did uh, sleep. Um, uh, they wired her up in the whole deal. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Kel, you want to share what they found out? They found that I was born addicted to crack. Really? And that I was bipolar. Hmm. The and, neurons yeah. in your brain, the electrical activity, hmm. was tracked, and it uh, was such that the, her brain activity was compromised hmm. permanently. She's developmentally delayed hmm. because of her mother um, using cocaine. They determined on it very regular basis. Mm. And in 1982, A, there wasn't the term crack baby, and it wasn't a criminal offense. Now, you know, yeah, she'd now, be big trouble. a slammer. Mm-hmm. But um, that wasn't a deal. She was just five and a half pounds. She was full term. She was fretful, colicky. Sleep patterns were non-existent. Mm. And it was just something we had to deal with. And I thought, okay, you're, you know, you're so fortunate to have this child just buck up and deal with it. Right. You know? And What was it like for you when you found out? I mean, what, was that like uh, a relief in a way, or was it a slap in the face? What was it? I think back then I kind of took it and ran with it and used it uh, to my advantage to kind of use it as an excuse. Um Oh, I'm bipolar and I was born addicted to drugs. I'm allowed to get away with being stupid and ignorant and whatever else I was doing back then. Yeah, yeah. If I was addicted at birth, I might as well just roll with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, precisely. See where this goes. And yeah. for her husband and, and for my husband and myself, it was just like, okay, well now, duh, that all makes sense. Now everything. Hello, the picture gets... pieces pulling together. Right. And um, that um, we've done our solid best for making sense out of this situation. We've done, we've done our solid best and it's going to have to be Cal that's going to come up with um, the uh, proactive. Um, right. So we've got, the, we've got some answers and we've got some, so now we could use that information as a way to like move forward, forward. and, but that that's so well I'll tell you what let's let's that's a good that's a good segue into a break because okay. we're about halfway done so why don't we why don't we take our break now of course and then we'll come back and kind of talk about more about the answer side cool. does that work for you yeah sounds good all right. right hey everybody out there thanks for listening I hope you're enjoying the show ladies thanks for being here with us tonight I think it's been a really interesting conversation so far we're going to listen to a a fresh cut by Sarah Ramirez. Uh, wait, what's the name of it? <laughs> the story. The story. The story. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. The story. Yeah. So we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Thanks for being with us tonight. <clears throat>
Hey, welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. Hope you enjoyed our, our musical number. Kellen picked that out, actually. That was, that was a nice song. Does yeah. it have any uh, special significance to you? Uh, yes, it's actually um, from a Grey's Anatomy episode where the character Callie gets into a car wreck, and um, she's pregnant at the time and uh, ends up having to have the baby early. And so she's floating around and... Um, like her little ghostly self, and at the end she sings it, and it just reminded me of all the stuff my mom and I had gone through, and um, and to you know it, it makes me cry every time I hear it. Basically, it's a very emotional song for me. It just uh, it reminds me of my mom not giving up on me, even though she had to detach from me. Which back then I didn't realize that's what she was doing. Today, obviously, I know otherwise. Yeah. Can you? Um, it's that actually. It, it, it's a good segue into like maybe telling us from the middle to the end of your story where, well, more or less where the, the, you know, where things come to a, a head. Um, when I was 21, um, I went to a rehab in Milwaukee for 30 days. And so I first got, uh, introduced to recovery then, but I didn't take it serious. So then December 24th of 2004, I was now 22, still doing the same thing, and I uh, got into a really bad car wreck after a night of drinking well, with some a friend of mine and a boyfriend I was dating, and as a result, he died, and I lived. And that was a very trying time for my family and I. So... I dislocated my hip in the crash, and then um, I couldn't do anything for six weeks. I had a giant brace on my leg, and um, after I could walk again, I started drinking again. But then that New Year's of 2005 into 06, I basically got alcohol poisoning and overdosed on crack that night, and then remembered where my cousin had taken me to um, a place of recovery, and uh, I got sober then. And I made it for about a year and a half, and then I did a research project for three months, and then I got sober again, August 10, 2008. Say what a research project is. I went on a relapse. I um, basically got into the same thing again, drinking, using drugs, um, because of taking my will back, thinking that I was cured and that I could, you know, do everything like a lady again or something, even though I never did. That was um, crazy thinking. Sorry? Are you cured now? Oh, no, no way. <laughs> I am a work in progress. Okay, All right. just checking. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, it's my job to ask questions. For sure. So, th- what what got you? The one, I guess, the one piece is what got you from when you were 19 and you went away to college, and then you then from there, what happened? What happened from college to re- to the Milwaukee rehab, where? Uh, I met the same people, just different names, different faces, and Did I you still drop had to out deal with. Or what? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, well, I got kicked out and dropped out at the same time, pretty much. I had I had started dating somebody else that came to live with me, and then they found out. They said, uh, "Well, you can't have them live with you," and I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go move to Maine." So they said that he had to leave, or they were going to kick me out. So I said, "Okay, I'm leaving." And I thought it would be a great idea to move to Maine and live there and go from house to house. And uh, it was just insanity. Yeah. Okay. And it was that that got you then somehow or another wound up in the rehab in Milwaukee. Yeah. And I you assume... called. Well, you called me and you just said, I, 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 I can't do this. Can I please come home? And I said, uh, there were conditions, mm-hmm. and rehab was one of them. And by this time, you'd you'd gotten some help, and you yeah oh yeah I was my therapist was the one who helped me um, draw up the you can you've got to go to rehab yeah. you have to do this and setting our boundaries was really I have to say it was saving ourselves first and she was secondary yeah. So the boundaries for you, the, the boundaries that you set were for your, basically for your own survival. Yeah, yeah. A lot of parents wouldn't understand that statement. 
Uh, so explain that. Okay. I mean, I, I had to set the boundaries. That was it. Was my home, my home. Yeah. And we were paying the bills, and we were maintaining the home, and there was a complete disregard on her uh, part for anything that was sacred to us. You know, um, uh, keeping the house clean and. Uh, um, she had a car, and her car, dear God in heaven, the, the Board of Health didn't, sh- I mean, oh, my God, it was gross. Um, it was, um, uh, you have to make some major changes here until if you're going to come back here and be part of our Because it would deal. make you crazy. Exactly. Right. And I had to prioritize what was good for me right. mentally. Uh, my mental health had to be prioritized over what she was experiencing because it, I just wasn't good for anybody. Was my it, husband wasn't good for our son. Certainly wasn't good for her. Was it because you would get sucked into the the addiction well, I realized, vortex? Yeah, enabling was you know it was easier to enable than to deal with, and. Um, I finally just said, I'm, I'm done. I, I am breaking my back. I'm, I'm a flight attendant, and I would be flying, and her rehab was under our, you know, insurance. And, you know, uh, it was, she was so incredibly ungrateful, just snidely and just rudely ungrateful. I'm just like, done, finished, love you, honey, you know what, but we're done. And... Mm-hmm. When I said I'm done is when it resonated. Hmm. All of a sudden, oops, hmm. I've made some huge mistakes here. And um, Do you remember that? A little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When, when, did the, when would you say the light came on for you the first time? I mean, I know you did some research projects and there was some, you know, bouncing around ins and outs, but... When did when would you say the light came on for the first time? I think it really came on uh, January 1st of 2006 when I finally realized what I was doing. Um, the fact that, you know, I didn't go to jail for my DUI. I was looking at involuntary vehicular manslaughter. Hmm. And I think uh, I realized, you know, I was still driving even after, you know, a year later, plus the... December 23rd of 2005, I had a friend, a childhood friend die of a heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. And um, that really, I mean, between my mom and dad saying, you know, if you continue this type of behavior, you know, we can't help you. And I didn't want to be like some of my other friends I knew that were on the streets and, you know, living uh, in homeless shelters or boxes or whatnot. I didn't want to end up like them. And I also didn't want to die. But I also didn't want to live, so I knew, I knew that my cousin was in recovery, and um, so I think I called him and I went to a meeting and then just uh, started doing the deal, and then of course a year and a half later I thought that I was all fine and cured, which what, I had to learn the hard did way. Did you did you know like were you aware that like she had gotten sober and then the did you notice that things started to change prior to her relapse? Did you know she relapsed? No. No, she's really good at putting up a yeah. facade as yeah. to what it was. Yeah. And it actually was um, a friend of mine who's recovering that cued me hmm. as to um, this is what she had observed. And what had she observed? Um, that Kellen's behavior, she was... She, as an addict herself, you know, can't fool a fool. Yeah. And she was cueing me that, you know. Something was off. Mm-hmm. And did and, you ask, and, or how did it, uh, did it come up between you, or how did, did... This time, she was pretty much on her own. Because we had, you know, I was done. Mm-hmm. I, I was... Was she still living with you? Um, yes, you were. Mm-hmm. You were. Um... And um, it gets kind of blurred for me, too. Um, the people that she chose to associate with were the 
same person with a different name. Mm. Somebody that if I love him enough, he'll get better. And to me, they were just the lowest of the low. Don't bring them home here. I don't want to see them. I'm sorry. I didn't trust them. Um, They stole um, pharmaceuticals from my medicine cabinet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, um, it was such a breach of trust. And um, so what happened? She had wised up enough. Did you you get sober? Then you decided to get sober? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like um, the boyfriend thing and, you know, the broken wing boyfriend thing has kind of been a theme song with you a little bit, hasn't it? Yep. Yeah. 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 And I, um, I didn't want to hear about it. And she'd say, oh, you know, and I'm like, you know, I was like, uh, they're all the same. I don't, I'm not investing that's, that's anything. That's what you meant about same, yeah. same yeah. guy. I'm not investing anything in name, what you're telling guy me. Same guy or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. And my rules are, you know, don't bring them home. Don't bring, you know, I don't want, sorry. Did you ever have to call the cops on her? Uh, the cops came on one of her um, from acquaintances from, they drove from New England to Chicago thinking they were going to stay at our house. Oh. And, I was like, uh, no way, no how are they staying here? And her brother um, got into um, uh, an assault. I mean, they were punching each other, and the cops came. Oh. Uh, and uh, That's pretty normal. That happens in most families, isn't it? Yeah, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I had never been... It, to the city jail, I had never, you know, I, I'd had a couple speeding tickets. That was my uh, encounters with law enforcement. Right. And she knew him by name. Like, I, I was just, I had no reference point. I just had no reference point. I'm like, how can this be happening? I mean, how is this happening? So, so please go away. So you've you've gotten to the point where, so you got to the point at the, then where you were not easily shocked anymore, or you, you <laughs> exactly. your, your eyes had been mm-hmm. opened as to everything what was guarded. Addictions look like and absolutely yeah. everything is guarded, and um, uh, there was no trust. So what is it? So how do you? Well, you're obviously not living at home anymore, but when you were. How, once the, once you started to recover in in earnest after two after two thousand and six, did that change or did you did you come to trust Kellen? Kellen would share. She always was very respectful of um, what was discussed at meetings. She never um, would give any information about anyone that was at the meetings even though she said I would know some people that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would talk about what was discussed and how she felt about it. And it would coincide with what I was experiencing um, with my therapist. So I was like, okay, this is good. Yeah. This is good. And my therapist was really quite um, uh, wonderful about telling me, what I could expect and what I could look for as far as the, because um, she had the dual diagnosis of yeah. uh, the bipolarity and um, substance abuse. Right. And then Cal started studying um, to become a um, CDAC. CADC. CADC. Mm-hmm. My bad. Yeah. Um, and she wanted to use her experiences to help um, girls who had she'd been in a similar position yeah. and to be proactive as right. opposed to reactive right. and she had great success with working with um, middle school and junior high girls yeah. and I think that yeah. helped in um, fostering her, sob- her sobriety 
Right. And did it, and did it help in fostering your trust? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I saw she blossomed yeah. and that she was of value to somebody else. So there are actually, so there's, a, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there who would like, you know, when you're in the midst of it, it like it would be almost impossible for them to conceive of having a trusting relationship with their kid. Like, if oh. I had said to you in 2004, after you know, after Milwaukee, after the and first relapse, hey, you I know thought what? she was going to be dead. Yeah, this I is all going to work out, Mary. This is going to be fine. You guys are going to tr- you're going to have a trusting, loving relationship. You would have kicked me right in the slats. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> walk a while in my shoes. Right. Um, and I really, so we thought she would be dead. So I mean, so I, I guess I kind of wanted to sort of tie that back to the title of the show, which is Unexpected Miracle, because that's really, that is, that's what it is, isn't it? And she created the miracle. The thing is, it is from Kellen. The miracle has come. Mm. And her strength and her resolute mm. for moving herself through life. She's not, um, I don't know. she didn't see merit, didn't see value in herself previously and I see a strong relentless uh, resolute to make an impression a positive impression in life as and opposed that's, to that's being a, that's a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big miracle isn't it that is an odd how do you think something like that happens do you have any idea I finally got some good people around me yeah. um, and uh, I was raised Catholic but I've since kind of gone on my own little spiritual journey of uh, listening to a higher power, something mm-hmm. bigger than myself. Um, in music, in nature, there's a little chapel I go to where it's really quiet. Um, in, in nature, definitely. I uh, actually recently lost a friend a couple of weeks ago to an overdose. Mm-hmm. And we, um, my boyfriend Jack and I got uh, some orchids. He'd gotten me some orchids before, and then the other ones, he kind of accidentally killed them by putting them in a cold atmosphere. But we got some new ones that we call Josh because mm-hmm. it's a therapeutic thing. And so I go to the chapel and there's uh, some orchids there. That's kind of I kind of look for little signs, you know, yeah. from my higher power. And I, I, and you know, my mom and dad, even though um, they had to detach for a little while, they never really truly gave up on me. They still let me know that they love me, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where I was. So I think that helped a lot, too. Also, you know, being around other recovering alcoholics and addicts who, yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I totally did that. Oh, that happened to me. And being able to share that with, uh, you know, share that with others. So what what would you say, how would you describe your relationship now? What's it What's it like? I think it's great today. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a lot better. She actually likes my friends and my boyfriend today. Mm-hmm. Uh, she even loves my little dog. I I have a sobriety dog, my first dog ever in sobriety. Her name's Billy. A Billie sobriety Jean. dog. I like that. Yes. Never, never heard that. <laughs> she. I have no kids, so she is my kid. She's your kid. And, um, What's your dog's name? Billy Jean. Billy Jean. Right. You can hear the music in the background. And what's really and Billy Jean's a Rottweiler. Uh, Pitbull boxer. Pitbull boxer, okay. And the, they have <laughs> such a wicked, horrid reputation. Yeah. But with nurturing, they're they're wonderful, um, fabulous, um, uh, loyal, strong uh, companions. Yeah. But they need the nurturing. Yeah. And I always uh, I've wondered since 1982 about nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. And I. I'm like, I'm like, if I love her enough, if I show her everything's going to be okay, you know, it'll be all right. Well, that went out the window. Um, you had to redefine love. You've got to redefine love yeah. and um, that there's things that I'm not able to, uh, I have no power. I have no control over her nature as to, I mean, she was uh, born addicted. I yeah. don't have any idea what her... Um, uh, biological background is none what any type if there's mental illness if there's any type of physical illnesses if um, 
there was someone, if there were um, uh, individuals or couples that were going to adopt, I would insist, 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 there has to be a complete medical disclosure. Hmm. There has to be. And uh, it needs to be verified. It can't be something fiction that someone spins to um, put the bow on the package. Um, I would advocate for an open adoption. Hmm. And that, that um, uh, d- just as a re- uh, another resource as far as an emotional stability. I never, ever doubted that I was Callan's mother. And her father never doubted that he was Callan's father. Um, we always used um, the term um, uh, birth parents and real parents because parenting is a relationship. You know, any, yeah. most creatures on the planet can reproduce. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it's the parenting that um, is a relationship that is evolving, constantly evolving. And ours um, uh, plummeted, mm-hmm. but it evolves. And it moves forward. Do you think you would be who you are today if it hadn't been for what Kellen went through? No. I, I'm cert, quite certain I wouldn't be. Um, Kellen has... Um, I've had experiences with Kellen and her brother that I I couldn't imagine. And I think I have a um, pretty well-rounded experience. I'm traveled. I'm educated. I'm, um, you know... And you've still been surprised. And (laughs) yeah, it's kind of like shut your mouth and, you know, pick um, your jaw up off the floor and move on. Like I said, I just, I had no reference point. And I realize now, 32 years later, that, um, that (coughs) those experiences are what have made me, uh, myself and my husband, you know, my husband and, and I, um, we just had to decide what was more important. Yeah. Our relationship or our children and our relationship was more important. We had we were a couple before they were on the scene. Yeah. And uh it was very difficult but has evolved and thrived. And it was the and as as it turns out it was the right thing for everybody apparently, huh? Most difficult thing in the world, drawing those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Cuz your your heart is just your stomach, the, I mean, the cortisol my body manufactured, I could have, you know, I was un, I was so unhappy. I'm like, come on, come on. God, there's got to be, there's got to be. Line, if you draw that line, you risk losing your kid. Exactly. And maybe having to face, you know, uh, maybe having to face them not being alive. Exactly. And and so that's what I mean. That's what parents don't want to want to come up against. No, don't want to. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. No. And I was faced. That was a very real possibility. Sure. And um, I had to get myself ready for that. Was probably going to happen, but um, the tenacity and um, just my husband and I. the, one of the benefits was that our relationship did become, um, as I used the term, evolved. Right. You know, because you kind of live on, you know, um, you're together and you're working and all this. Well, this really made us come to the same page right. and move forward as opposed to I mean, many people, their relationship fractures. Yeah, yeah. And I was not going to allow that to happen. Much as I love you, dear, I yeah. was not going to let you do that. Yeah. Tough, some tough decisions. Kellen, yep. were there any things that you would uh, you would like to, uh, if you could give some advice to uh, to parents of kids like you? Well, you're not a kid now, but when you were a kid, to um, what would you what would you tell parents? Um, I think had my mom not gotten help for herself. Like she was just saying, I I don't think we'd be where we're at today. I might be dead. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mom might be insane or who knows what. But I think definitely to get themselves help first. Because I think with my mom taking care of herself, with her therapist, you know, ultimately it helped me get to where I'm at today. It changed the whole system. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and if you do have the opportunity to get 
you know, your kid into a rehab. I mean, there's so many rehabs and so many different options today than when I was a kid that if, if the sooner the better. Um, we need, I mean, and it might not work the first time around, but, you know, just get yourself help first because, uh, you know, like my mom said, if she hadn't gotten herself help first, she would have been no good to anyone. And She wouldn't have had the strength to go through the things that, I mean, it wasn't a straight line for you. It was in and then out and then in and then out and then research and then in and then out. And that's pretty disheartening for everybody, including you, you know. You finally got it, huh? Just for today. There you go. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that was a test. That was a good one, Bill. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight and uh, sharing with us. It was nice to have you, Helen and Mary. You. you guys thank were great. You. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Research projects to Silver Dogs. There you go. Right. Billy Jean. We should have had that. We should have used that song. We well, should use Billy Jean. I would Jean. say um, my song. I thought about this. All my life's a circle by uh, Harry Chapin. Oh, I love that song. See, he knows. Oh, yeah, man I know. It's my. Yeah, we're right. in the same. Same generation. Yeah. But the whole idea that yeah. now she is counseling girls, and I think her birth mother would be very um, in pleased to know that she was uh, completing that cycle. Exactly. Well, I want to thank our listeners uh, tonight and our studio audience for making us a successful little underground source. Thank you guys for coming. Go to recoveryinternetradio.com and sign up. Um, so check our show, uh, check recoveryinternetradio.com also for our um, archive shows and to uh, check out our other resources that we have on the, on the website. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 7 o'clock next Sunday night.